best book to read is the Bible. Amen. There is no book under heaven given to men where we can be saved. The Bible. B-I-B-L-E. I hope that's the book for you. Am I right? That's the book for you. Bible, Bible, Bible. Behold, I bring life eternal. Isn't it wonderful? Wonderful. Well, we have been studying the work of Christ. You know, you have grown up with that knowledge, the work of Christ. Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, Lord's Day every Sunday reminds us Christ's work. But that is the finished work of Christ. But why he finished the work? What is the cause? And that would we need to consider the cause for which the Son of God became Son of God, Son of Man, and came into this planet Earth. We call it incarnation. The Word, W-O-R-D, Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's wonderful. Just wonderful. You know, I'm, I do not use this, but my heart is very heavy at this time. And I would like to share with you before we get into. We are living in a country where the missionaries and the dollars have been sent for the furtherance of the kingdom in the world. My great father, grandfather, came to know Jesus Christ because of the missionary in 1856. And because of that, my father, and because of him, we are all saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And when missionaries came, they told us there is a power in the world. And 150 years later, when we, are come, when we came here, what we see today, it, it grieves our heart deeply, deeply. The way it is going on in the nation, I hope you are aware of. We are coming from the outside and looking here, America. And recently, what is happening in Turkey with that man and the whole news media and the whole world. For one man, he's a wicked man. He was a wicked man. Let's put it that way. He was a sinner, destined for eternity in hell. And he was killed. Whatever, what happened? That is only God knows. My, my, my heart is crying for this. That one man, nothing to do with America. He was a radical. He was with Muslim Brotherhood. Working against everything, what comes from Washington's post. We are killing every day millions of babies in a year. Nobody knows. There is no outcry. There is no outcry. There's, that blood is speaking from the grave and nobody cares. And I cry out to God, Lord, how long you are going to silent for America? For this man who is wicked and the whole news media go bizarre. 
and seventy millions baby we killed in 20, 30 years. Who is speaking for them? That is my cry. And I have no tears for that. And I, 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 I tell the Lord, Lord, please pour out your judgment. Pour out for your judgment. We deserve that judgment now. And I hope you realize my cry. And that's why we really need to pray the Lord would bring the right people in this coming election. Because the people who are now doing, they call, woe to them, I say, who call evil good and good evil. Woe to them who call bitter sweet and the sweet bitter. Their destiny is in hell. But we who are the children of righteousness, we ought to be concerned. Because we are living in a nation. I got a clip from India. They, they get all the... And they send the request to us. In India, people are praying for President Donald Trump. Believers. And they are telling us here that if the right people will not come, Obama has his own plan to destroy everything what we are holding. He's a wicked man. And we need to... Get up and pray, pray, pray. When my people who are called by my name humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, thus says the Lord, I will hear and heal the land. And that is the Lord we have, friends. So I hope you take seriously. I'm not saying what you should do, but as a man under God, this is my heavy burden on my heart for a nation which eat bread and drink water. So, and we have become the citizen, so we have a right to say. So please pray for nation of ours. And what is going on today, it is alarming, alarming. And you know, uh, Pastor Marty and I often think about what would be the church 10, 15 years from now? That's scary. That's really scary. Because the church is abandoning the word of God to accommodate sinners and make them comfortable rather than telling them, thus says the Lord. Pastors, listen to this. A.W. Tozer says, pastors are the prophets and not the salesmen. Prophets, pastors are the prophets. Myself, Pastor Marty, we have a heavy responsibility under God. I don't think he or I would like to hang our head in shame at the white, at the judgment seat of Christ and say, sorry, Lord, we did not do what you expected from us. Rather, I would like to have my chin up and say, thank you, God, what you have, what you have given to us, we have did it. And I want to hear just one, welcome home. That's worth. That's worth. Every day I get homesick. I don't know whether you are homesick or not. I homes every day. My wife tells me. Even this morning I told, I want to go home. I don't want to live. I don't want to live. But the Lord has a reason. The Lord has a reason. 
And uh, we want to fulfill that. And he's not finished with me. Since last four, five days, I have severe, severe pain. And I cry every day. Lord, please, this will be the last day. I hope, and I told my wife, the Lord will take care of you. Don't worry. When the pain gets in, I cannot control. So pray that the Lord would have hasten for me. So I would be absent here and present with the Lord. But he's still working in me. In the mirror of his word, reflection, I may see him make me wonder why he has never given up on me. He's still working in me. I hope he's working in you. I hope he's working in you. You know, last Lord's Day, Jim asked the question about, you know, the question was that uh, how can a person help? Right, Jim, that was a question, Jim, you asked. Okay, thank you. You know, and there are people in this church who are going out of their way to help. The one great example is my buddy, Brother Marty. Always, always. And we are so grateful. I am, I'm, Hasu and I are very grateful. And there are other people in the church. When you have a Ceiling outside of the driveway, 20 people shows up. It's wonderful, wonderful. What I was telling is that those who have been talented, God has given them. What we need to go out of our, out of our comfort zone and find out who needs help. And we can reach out. It is a, it's a matter of sacrifice. It's a matter of sacrifice. If somebody can cook nicely, bring something, cook it, and then give somebody. And make somebody's day. That's wonderful, friends. So that's how we can reach out to other people. So, Jim, I hope that is the answer. Okay, we have... 35 minutes or 40 minutes, hopefully. We have been looking into the work of Christ. The biggest work of Christ, when Jesus Christ was born, angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph in the dream, and he said, you shall call his name Jesus. For he, what is the rest of the verse? He shall save his people from their sin. That was the mission of heaven. That was the mission God the Father gave us, gave Adam and Eve in Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed of the woman would crush the hair of the serpent and you shall crush the uh, feet of the seed. And that's what happened, right? And the fullness of time, God sent his only beloved son 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, born of the woman, born under the law, to deliver those who are under the law. Mission of Christ to deliver people from their sin. So, Jesus is the Savior, right? Jesus is the Savior. So, what we are considering now, God's sovereign work in salvation or sovereignty, God's sovereignty in salvation. How God works in salvation of men. It's a beautiful subject, but wonderful for us to comprehend the depth of God's heart for redeeming you and me. Salvation, remember, is the work of God, not the work of Peter or anyone. Salvation is the work of God. Remember that Jonah recognized in the belly of the fish and he says, salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. So in order to understand a work of God in salvation, it requires to know what is man's condition that God is coming down from heaven to redeem from that condition and bring him to heaven? In other words, how do we understand the glory of God coming down in the gutter so we, the children of the gutter, can be raised up for glory? Work of salvation. Work of salvation. So in order to understand, we need to understand how depraved we are. How depraved we are. Well, this is the theme of verses. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12. Paul had a panorama camera. Sorry, God had a panorama camera and gave it to Paul. And he took the picture of the whole world. And he writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12. He said, no one is righteous. Wow. No one is righteous. That means no one is right before God. No one is right before God. Secondly, no one understands. No one understands. No one has a spiritual capacity to understand. Thirdly, no one seeks after God. Prophet Isaiah says, everybody turn away. Everybody turn away. Nobody seeks God unless God seeks from heaven to man. Adam and Eve hidden after the sin was committed. And what did the Lord say? Adam, Adam, where thou art? Do you think God did not know where Adam and Eve were? He knew. He knew where they were. But the sin drives them away from holy God. And God, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 says, He's so holy he cannot look to the evil things. And that we have. That, and, 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 in, and John chapter 6 verse 44 says, No man can come to me unless Father draws him. No one. And then he says in chapter 6, verse 68, no man can come to me except we're given by my father. So, no one is right. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. 
all became useless, none who does good. There is no one who does good. That's why the people started to make God. Christianity is not a religion, my friends. Anybody tells you Christianity is a religion, that is hogwash. Christianity is a relationship. Religion, man is seeking after God. Christianity, God is seeking after man. Do you see the difference? Religion, that's why we have so many religions, they rejected the truth, they wanted to invent their own God. In India, we have a 388 million gods. Everybody makes their own God. Nobody understands. So, so I want you to see this is the cancerous condition of the human mankind. How could holy God can have these cancerous people and cleanse them and make his own? That is called the salvation of God. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let earth receive her king. Therefore, the fallen nature of unsaved man is alienated from God. Alienated from God. Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, 22. If you're writing, write down these verses so when you have a time, you can concentrate and meditate when you go home. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Paul writes, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Verse 22. Verse 22. Paul writes, in the body of his flesh, that is Christ, through death to present you holy and unblemished or unblameable and unreprovable. Let me explain this verse. This is so beautiful. In the body of Jesus, through death, to present the persons who once upon a time alienated, once upon a time who were the enemy by their own works. The word holy refers to the believer's positional relationship to God. Please keep in mind, the man's panorama picture was he's alienated, he's become an enemy of God, and he, by his own works. Good news is that he is separated from sin now and set apart to God through his death. He, that is Christ, imputed righteousness. This is called the justification, the doctrine of justification. Let me explain to you. It's very important doctrine. The word justification or righteous in Romans, 30 times it has been written by Paul. 30 times. It's a wonderful doctrine of the Bible. Justification. And in verse 24, Paul writes, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the word justification has been used 30 times. This is the legal term, comes from the Greek word for righteous. That means 
God, holy God, declares righteous a person who is alienated and who was hell bound. Alienated. He declares him righteous. Uh, and he declared right, it means, uh, when he declared righteous, it means uh, he pardons from the guilt and the penalty of sin. And my beloved, one day he will be free us from the very presence of sin. And that is the day I'm looking forward. And Bible calls us that is the day of glorification. Glorification. We shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We shall be like him. We shall be like him. So he, and the imputation of Christ's righteousness. God, listen to this, my friends. You will not find in any religious book. Listen to this. God, the holy God, imputed believers' sin to Christ's account in his sacrificial death. No wonder Paul calls one who knew no sin was made sin for us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your finite mind what it means? That heavenly father, God, holy God, imputes your sin in Christ and his righteousness in us. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Martin Luther, the reformer, so beautifully said, Christ, listen to this, Christ became my sin. And I became his righteousness. Christ became my sin. I became his righteousness. John Peterson wrote that beautiful hymn, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. And the first verse so beautifully says, Born of the Spirit with life from above into God's family divine, Justified fully through Calvary's love. Oh, what a standing is mine. And the transgression so quickly was made. When a sinner I came, he took up the offer. Grace he did proffer. Oh, saved, his, saved my soul. Praise his dear name. Praise his dear name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is what the righteousness he imputed as a result of the believer's union with Christ now in his death and resurrection. God considered Christian as holy as his own son. What a joy that once upon a time we were headed towards eternal damnation. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is called good news. That is called good news. As a result, we are to be presented to Christ as the bride. Hallelujah. Do you know that? You know, have you, I, I, when I read this, oh, that always brings my, in my memory, a father bringing his daughter. Picture your mind in the wedding. Picture your mind. And then he brings here. And then the pastor does, who giveth this woman to be married to this man? And father's great joy, I and her mother. Picture that. That's the way we are going to be presented holy in God's eyes. One day. One day. 
<clears throat> because of the depravity of man, man on his own account, or he cannot find God. So God must seek out. So we conclude the salvation is totally the work of God. So I want you to understand, friends, when the word salvation or I, I'm saved, it's much more than just a word. I want to understand the depth. So you can reach out to your children with this message. Don't preach, don't teach your children the cure without telling them the cause. Don't make cross weak or sin to be lightly. This is very important. That's why I'm telling all these things. So God's sovereign plan of salvation, how the holy God brings the person to salvation. We need to see the process of salvation in the light of God's foreknowledge and God's purpose. Here we are talking about God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge. To that we need to turn to Romans chapter, I don't want you to turn because of the time. Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing in verse 29 and 30. Whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate. Verse 30. Who, whom he did predestinate, he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. This is the powerful doctrine of God in salvation. There are five words Paul is emphasizing. Foreknow. The God knew before, foreknow, predestinate, he sealed. And then he called, from my mother's womb, he called me out. And then he justified. And now he is going to glorify. These are the five words, you have to remember that. Remember that. So, what has been God's plan since before the foundation of this world? What has been planned? What has planned God's plan? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Isn't it wonderful? My God's plan for you, for me, that we should be holy like his son and blameless doesn't mean sinless. Blameless before him. What is the purpose of God? What is the purpose of God? Well, it says here, to praise. To the praise of his grace. That's why Paul says we are saved by? Through? In? Hallelujah. Class dismiss. Wonderful. Wonderful. To the praise and the glory of his grace. Grace, we know that, is God's free and sovereign act of love. We don't deserve, friends. We don't deserve. And mercy in granting salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ apart from anything you and I would do. Well, in Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30, there are four times, four times, Paul uses the word, he also, he also, 
he also, he also, was it extra word, he also? But it has a meaning, he also. Let me tell you, let me tell you. When this phrase is so important that it is the chain is unbreakable, once the process is begun, it will come to completion. He also, he also, he also, he also. Those whom God has called to salvation will respond and they will glorify with the Lord in heaven. They will glorify. When God called the salvation and the people respond and they will be glorified with the Lord in heaven. You know, as I was preparing this uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17. You remember there were 10 lepers. Remember Jesus was coming and the 10 lepers stood up and he said, have mercy on us, Lord. And what did the Lord say? Go and show yourself. And what happened? What happened? As they were on their way, all 10 were, they were not cancer free, but lepers free. Leprosy free. And nine left, and one came back. Luke chapter 19, verse, uh, Luke chapter 17 and verse 19. The Lord Jesus said, Your sin, your faith has saved you. Nine people, nine lepers healed physically, but the one was healed spiritually. One was healed spiritually because he responded. Nine physically responded and turned away for happy days. But one came back and what did the Lord say? Your, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made, made you well. He responded and then we will see him one day in heaven. This is the promise of the security of our salvation. Now, when you think about these verses, this verse, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30, there are the, the tense uh, Paul is using four accents. Each is in past tense. Each word is in past tense. This is important because the salvation of the believer is written in the eternity past with God. This is mind-boggling. Lamb's book of life. Who is carrying out each of the four actions? God. God. God predestinated. God called. God justified. God will glorified. Why is this important, friends? Remember, salvation is the work of God, not work of anybody. Work of God. Repentant faith is the first step we take in response to God calling us even as our faith is the gift of God. So, we were alienated, we were dead, and all the rest. But God, God, but God, Bible tells us that he 
predestinated for your salvation. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life before foundation of this earth. How do you understand that word? God predestinated your name written in the Lamb's book of life. So when the role is called up yonder, I will be there. I will be there. I hope you will be there. We'll see you there. Even the faith is the gift of God, right? Faith, we don't have faith. That person doesn't have faith unless God gives the faith. First Peter chapter 2, Paul, Peter writes in chapter 2 and verse 1, we have obtained like precious, uh, precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, by grace are ye saved through faith and that is not yourself but it is given by God to believe Christ. Now, how do we understand the foreknowledge of God? How do we understand foreknowledge of God? If salvation is of the Lord, so we conclude the man redemption begins with God's foreknowledge. So believers, someone whom God foreknew, we need to keep in mind the doctrine of the depravity that is nothing absolutely, nothing in man's carnal nature to prompt him to trust God. There is nothing. Because in the natural man do not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Period. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. This is panorama pictures of mankind. Remember the theme: salvation is of the Lord. It is the Lord. It is the Lord who calls. Nobody can come to me except Father draws him. When the pastor is preaching and this the person who is listening to the word of God, the Holy Spirit quickens his deadness. And he responds. He, he does two things. Either he responds in humility and say yes to the Lord, or he suppress the voice of God, harden his heart, and then go away. And I thank God that you are here because one day in your life, the Holy Spirit prompted you for your deadness and you responded to the voice of God and you said yes to the Lord and no to the flesh. And because of that you are here, otherwise you would be in a golf course or fishing. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Oh, beloved. That is called sanctification, is it not? That is sanctification. When you came to the cross, listen to this. When you came to the cross, you justified. God declared you righteous. Between righteous, between justification and glorification, there is a process called sanctification. And there where the Spirit of God conforms you every day into his likeness. He conforms you. When you do something wrong, the Holy Spirit blows the whistles and says, Hey, my son, that is not right. And you say, Lord, sorry. That is the process. One day the final product will be the glorification. You know, my beloved, 
the process of sanctification is sometimes very, very hard. You know why? Because we are interested in the final product while God is interested in the process. Because the process is hard. When the potter takes the clay, get this, he goes to the outside and get the clay and, 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 and he water and remove all the stone and then he, he makes the beautiful uh, 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 blob and then he put it on the wheel and then he swings the wheel. There's the picture saying, and then he makes the. God is interested in the process. The final product, when you see that, wow, what a beautiful thing. That will remember, that reminds the glory of God, that how God will do finally in our, our life. But the process is painful. Painful. Let me explain to a different way. When Ray is making a table, so he said, Pastor, would you like to go to Home Depot? I said, okay. So we go Home Depot. And he picks the lumber, nice wood, cherry wood, whatever he like. He has in his mind how he's going to figure it out. I have no idea. And then he brings and he uses chisel, saw, hammer, nail. And the wood, if wood has been given the voice, he would say, what, Ray, what are you doing? Why are you doing on my, my, my flash, myself? Ray would not answer. Why? Because Ray has in his mind what he's going to make out of it. When the table is presented, everybody says, wow, Ray, did you do that? And there is a fair joy on the face of Ray. Yes. But the process was painful. If God is a potter, and if we are a clay, then he does exactly what I'm saying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let him do what he has determined out of you. And, and that's why Paul, what, what did Paul says? Through my life, through my death, Christ be glorified. That ought to be you and me going to that place. Because you know, my friends, your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your colleagues, all are watching you. And you become the living letter of God. So the people read you. How they read. Determines how you take the process of God. I hope you understand what I'm saying this. But it is so profound. It's so profound. The saving faith is foreordained by God. And he would be one who will accomplish during the sermon at the Pentecost, Peter declared in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, him being delivered by the determined counsel and the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain the one. Slain the one. So remember that salvation is of the Lord. And, 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 and when you were saved, 
God already written your name in the Lamb's book of life. And when the fullness of time came, God quickened your deadness through the preaching of the word or at home or some situation the Lord brought in your life, sickness, death, and you came to senses that, yes, there is a power, there is a God. And you humble yourself and say, have mercy on me, O God. You repent of your sin. You respond to the call of God. And you are delivered from the bondage of sin and to the Savior. That is the salvation. That is what the Lord does even today. So remember that. And we will consider the foreknowledge and the foreknow how to understand. And in the Greek, it is, it is called prognosis. The foreknowledge, it is marked by God. So when you are saved, it is not your decision. You are saying to the Lord, yes, this was your decision. I say, Lord, thank you. Isn't it wonderful? What a glorious God we have. Rejoice. Rejoice. We will consider now prayer request. We have five minutes to pray and... Ten minutes to prepare ourselves for the worship service.